right, here we go. Welcome to the Thundering Herd Legends one-on-one podcast. Spotlighting Thundering Herd icons from the gridiron to the courts, the diamond, the pitch, the track, the courses, and beyond. Each show will sit down and go one-on-one with a Thundering Herd sports great. Here's your host, Jason Toy. All right, another edition of our Thundering Herd Legends podcast. Jason Toy here with you, and I've got some of the the, the best looking best looking folks here I've ever had in the studio with us when it comes to our legends. <laughs> we got Doctor Dot Hits. Doc, how are you? It's good to see you. Good to see you. Good to see you, Linda. How are you, Linda Holmes? Here with us too, Jason. I am very good, and thank you for asking us to be here. Well, you know that's the thing, and we were talking off the air that this was something we created this concept to spotlight the legends when it comes to Thundering Herd athletics over the years, and. I always said the first one off the bat, and then actually Woody Woodrum and I talked about this a long time ago. I said the first one off the bat, I I got to get Dot in the studio, and I got to get Linda in the studio, and 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 talk about where we are and where we came from to where we are today when it comes to to martial athletics. And and Dot, for folks that um, you know were new to us, but I know a lot of folks know who you are too. But you know, take us back a little bit. What brought you to Marshall University? Well, I, I was at East Tennessee State, and the lady at, that was over the physical education department for women died at 42. And so this was late, and a lady that taught at East Tennessee State was from West Virginia, and she had come back to Marshall. So she recommended me to Dr. Hayes. I came for the interview, and I said, mm, this is going to be a good challenge. <laughs> so I loved the challenge. I loved, uh, I loved what we got accomplished, and so, I and and I just stayed in Huntington. How old were you at the time? Thirty-four. Thirty-four. Okay. So it wasn't like you were fresh out of school. You, oh you, no, you no. came you came yeah. up here later on in life. Right. And then that started a when you came in here. What was the what was the landscape like here? Well, there was no athletics for yeah. women. There were some in some of the schools, basketball and tennis, and but we didn't even have basketball and tennis, but most of the other schools had it. So I had a eight on the, my faculty, and so I just asked them, were, were they willing to work and start an athletic program for women? And we did, and we all lost more money than we made the first <laughs> two or three years. What was the culture like around here at that time? Well, n- not much for women. Then mm-hmm. uh, uh, we 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 didn't get treated very well as a department, and because of the men's, we were separate at that time, and we tr- we tried to have things over in Gullickson. They would not let us have anything over in Gullickson. We had two pools that we I closed because. You could, you couldn't. They didn't know, had no steps and no mm-hmm. way to get out. You couldn't touch the floor, so they had a real nice poo. They wouldn't <laughs> let me use the poo. So, but we had great athletes. They basically all played softball, and in the summer, mm-hmm. and uh, so they were pretty excited when we started started the program. What year was this now? 69. 69 coming in here. Yeah. And Linda, you came in what year? Uh, 72. I arrived on the scene. Did and you? Um, um, I never had the opportunity to compete 
at my high school, um, I've often said I'm a, I'm a valley girl now. Yeah. And it wasn't cool to be a valley girl <laughs> growing up in Taze Valley when I grew up. Yeah. So I never had the opportunity of any organized sports. You know, go figure. Here I am a cheerleader at Winfield High School and played everything I could get my hands on in our backyard with the guys. We played um, baseball, volleyball, badminton. We even tried uh, our bikes in the backyard on bike polo with croquet mallets. I mean, we did everything. Yeah. And so um, when I came, um, started in my physical education programming, and, and they're going, mm, well, I think maybe you should, like, think about doing something here. And I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> and, and, Doc, you go back to it. You talked about coming in in 1969. And then so when you came in, when did you start to, to get the progress that you needed to make this happen? Well, we uh, we started pretty right soon, okay. yeah. But um, I met with all the physical education teachers in the state. At um, North, they had a real big program in uh, hockey. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, Davidson Elkins had won the national championships in in field hockey, and uh, so we got things kind of organized in 69 and we started the program in the state in 1970 and then uh, and then around that time obviously other things going on we had the plane crash that happened during that time right. too and which i know really devastated the, the athletic department and i'm sure probably de- did it delay things for you guys or were you still able to, to no, continue we, progress we pretty much had you know because we were separate departments yeah okay so we uh uh, got I got support from Dr. Hayes in trying to, you know, to get equipment and stuff like that. Uh, we had to wear the tunics. <laughs> the girls didn't like that going and playing basketball and volleyball and all that kind of stuff. Was that because tunics, they made you do it? Because we didn't have any money to, to buy it. uniforms. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> we didn't have that for quite a while, three or four years. And then finally – and. Uh, Bior, who was a person in public schools from Logan, we went to the President's Council mm-hmm. of the College and University in 70 and asked them if they would support what we were trying to accomplish in the public schools as well as the colleges and universities. And they said they would, and they did. So that was very helpful. How far behind the times was the state of West Virginia at that time? Well, they were pretty far behind because I came from East Tennessee State, mm-hmm. and 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 we had championships in just about every sport. In women's athletics. Even though we had to have play days, we still had championships. And each school had a championship, which we always had volleyball. Mm-hmm. Western Carolina was in with us. And so they, uh, Tennessee did basketball, and that's because they always won. <laughs> uh, but we had badminton, and she ended up playing. We had a badminton team here. I was going to bring that up. I keep con- uh, convincing uh, Beatrice that, you know, when I wrote the history of it up, uh, that we had a badminton team, <laughs> men and women. But she she just, I don't know if she's ever accepted that we really did have badminton, but we did have badminton. You mentioned, you mentioned about the public schools, too. Was this something that what you guys created – the trickle down into the West Virginia public schools too, because there what was there not women's athletic? You said cheerleading, Linda. They, but was, they had we had basketball and tennis in a lot of the public of, schools, of the high schools. Okay, and uh, it, just, it just depended on the area mm-hmm. in the state. 
but uh, but the the women uh, there were three physical education women that was very very helpful okay. uh, to me because we didn't have uh, uh, referees and umpires so uh, they traveled they were qualified to uh, to boards mm-hmm. to get their ratings so they, every weekend we traveled somewhere in the state to get officials rated. And um, so, it, so the public schools were good. good they, they, they were good about working. They just just hadn't had the opportunity. And and back then they had two men's teams and basketball and everything. So you know you can't have the gym because you know we got to have <laughs> one for the junior varsity. But uh, we took care of that in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> It, I love the smiles that Dot Hicks always gives you too, and talk about. It. And Linda, you know, when you when you came in in '72, and you talk, you played badminton, right? And I played badminton. I played volleyball. Ball? And um, no, actually, um, whenever I was first year graduate assistant, Dot needed a tennis mm-hmm. coach. I was the tennis coach um, that year when I was working on my masters, and we ended up winning the. Uh, the West Virginia Intercollegiate Collegiate, mm-hmm. uh, Championship that year. What? And uh, st- uh, side story, it rained <laughs> like crazy, and we literally played all night long at the tennis club in Barbersville. Really? So we t- could get that finished. So those are some of the stories that, uh, that I don't think current – coaches or some of the athletes would ever have a clue some of the things that we encountered that are just like uh you know a covered wagon Mm -hmm. yeah exactly pioneers yeah pioneers to set up up and do it pioneers so one of the things whenever um um, i started coaching when i started as i said um dot helped me the whole time and some people see things in you that you don't see in yourself and she was that for me, mm-hmm. my second mom. She was, she always says it takes two to raise me, but I don't believe that. But in any event, I've been yeah. I've been thankful. We know how wild she is, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I wanted to host a volleyball tournament, and it was the first time we'd ever had a significant volleyball tournament coming in, and it fell on me in totality literally i was on my hands and knees lining the floors in gollickson <laughs> wow and so um those kind of things just don't happen anymore yeah yeah <laughs> there it, it has been because of dot's wisdom and her leadership and perseverance we are where we are now with a magnificent program mm-hmm. and this the sad thing and i've shared this many times and dot and i've had this conversation we had under donna lawson and the green gals mm-hmm. An amazing basketball team. Oh, yeah. Women's basketball team. The unfortunate thing is the commitment at our school was not to support that the way everyone else around us began supporting their teams. Mm-hmm. I often have felt that if we had had financial support at that time, we too could have been one of those women's powerhouses in basketball. So when was the first year that when, you know, did you lay out the athletic budget when they actually had – on that column, they had one for women's sports. When did that finally start working into the athletic department side of things? Well, we didn't go under athletics until 74. 74 and really into <coughs> wow. 76. Up until that time, I had to go to the Students' Activities Committee 
And first year I got 25 cents per student. Next year I got up to 50 cents. And then I got up to 75 cents. And then when we went under athletics, then in 74, that uh, we had a budget in, in athletics with the men. Yeah. And so all of my professional friends thought I was really bad going under men's athletics. But but we had to drive our cars. We didn't have medical help. We didn't have anything. You guys probably drove all night to places. Oh, oh yes. I'd hate to tell you about coaching golf. We would, you know, it, it was long trips. And I cheated and let Nancy Button drive <laughs> some because, you know. You had the rest at out, some you're point. Out in, in, yeah, <laughs> you're yes. out in the sun all day or the rain or something. So I had to, I had to have help there. But we... We were really organized for Title IX, mm-hmm. and and we were really organized when we went under athletics. So we ended up getting three dollars <laughs> per student under when we went to athletics because that's what the men got. <clears throat> but we we had the cars and the doctors and uniforms. You had and access everything. to that stuff. We yeah, we we started going half first class. <laughs> Although I remember Half. well, there were four girls in a room. Yeah, yeah. When That's we what would I travel. mean. Half. Yeah. And uh, our little—I think we got five dollars a day mm-hmm. for us to as our per diem for for meals. Wow. But we hadn't had one before, so yeah, well, so that was a nice addition. Yes, yeah. it was great. And and um, Mr. McMullen, uh, he treated me with respect and and with our groups and mm-hmm. so that was that was good before you guys went under the the athletic department how many ladies were we talking about that were part of what you guys were building i mean how many well, you had full teams i'm sure so were we talking 100 girls 100 ladies or were we talking no. you're talking about uh, probably maybe a cadre maybe of 40 and they but they you all played, played different things, right? You, you played everything. Yeah. And they were very, very talented. We had some amazing We had women. some of the best women athletes we had were our, on our teams at the beginning when we started. Wow. And then, of course, they had to balance that with school, too. And yeah. this was – they were having to pay for school, but, you know, this the athletics at this point – and we'll talk about this in a minute. Wasn't paying for the wasn't paying for the school no, side no of things. No scholarships. Wow. And you mentioned that about Title IX, and you know we know the history on Title IX and how significant it, it is to women's athletics across the board. Right. I know you were you know you were the forefront uh, before this happened and leading into it. So what about when you saw things finally come to fruition with Title IX? What was what was your thoughts? Well, it was great because we uh, ended up with uh, in. 74 with uh, two scholarships Mm -hmm. and we hadn't had scholarships before that and then after that we had scholarships every year added to it so that made a big difference uh i was reading pat summit's book Mm -hmm. again recently and i noticed it said in there that they gave the first scholarships to women athletics well that was in 76 we were in 74. Wow. I said, I don't know where I need to send a, a letter <laughs> telling them that Marshall was first in doing athletic scholarships instead of uh, University of Tennessee. She probably talked about full rides. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we allow them, yeah. Full rides versus us. Like, yeah, well, no, those well, those, like, here those, you got books, here you two, got tuition, here those, you got room. Those two girls had full, two, full scholarships. Yep. And, well, it was all the way into the 90s before they started giving full scholarships because they had to break them down, and like Linda was talking about. And so I don't know if Marshall, I know in 94 when I stepped down on, on, uh, as faculty rep, that at that time uh, it came from the NCAA that we were supposed to start having full scholarships for the number of people that they allocate like eight for tennis or eight for golf or stuff like that. I'm not too sure they even have that yet. Really? Yeah. Wow. Because, you know, you get some of them and you say just say eight for golf, for example, then they will split that sometimes they and do half scholarships right. to yeah. just kind of spread it out. And you talked about the first two scholarships. Uh, Nancy Button, Button. Button, and then she was in golf, golf. right? And then you had uh, in basketball was Kathy Haas. Yeah. yeah. I, did, I, I did one that was here, and she was a senior. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, Jesus, she ended up coaching at West Virginia Westland for years, basketball. Huh. Yeah, but I just felt like new and old, and, Jen, and Nancy from Huntington. So that worked out real well. I was say you had the choices. You had, like you said, you guys had a lot of great athletes here, right? And I know you wanted to do more, but you only had those two to do. Those, yeah. Was there something that went into picking those two ladies that got the scholarships? Well, Nancy was from West Virginia uh-huh. and here in Huntington, so I wanted to do someone with that. And then I wanted to also do one that was a West Virginia that had been here four years and had made a, a good contribution to her sport. And so I kind of talked to the coaches. <laughs> They were also my physical education teachers, Jesus, yeah. and so, so I had eight. Yeah, and one didn't do coaching. So and uh, so we had seven that was doing. So that's uh, that worked out well. They they were good coaches. They you know did well with the students and and deal well with their families that had families because yeah, we we're a lot gone that, a lot. Yeah, so. So Dr. we just didn't stay in West Virginia. We, you know, we went to Tennessee and Indiana with badminton, and, and Memphis, Tennessee for badminton. Yeah. So we went on some pretty long trips. Badminton, badminton, an intense sport. I mean, you, you, we see it at church at churches, you know, play it or whatever. But. That your backyard and your social badminton <laughs> does not equate to the competitiveness of um, um, another level of intercollegiate or if you even watch the Olympics. Yeah, because it is an Olympic sport, oh, right? My yeah. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. yes. Yes, it is amazing. The uh, shuttlecock can fly quickly and. Um, it's it's a it's a it's a fast game. Is there still a lot of colleges that have it as, pro, as part of the programs? I'm I'm not really know. aware no. of that right now. No. Um, I would say the the newest thing that's going to happen will be pickleball. Yeah, yeah. for uh, <laughs> the collegiate level. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you are you know, playing that already? Oh heck yeah! Oh, I figured you were. <laughs> well, you know, people think. Pickleball is new. Yeah. Pickleball was the early 80s. Because mm-hmm. yeah. when it came in, I went out to four public schools because they had badminton and badminton courts perfect for pickleball mm-hmm. and taught, taught them all in public schools. <laughs> 
so now it comes here, but it's a great sport. Dr. Doc Hicks and uh, also Linda Holmes is here with us on our Thundering Herd Legends podcast and talking about the ev- evolution of martial athletics when it comes to the, the ladies' side of things. And you just kind of fast forward a little bit. You go through the 70s, working your way towards the 80s, and you're start, really starting to see the growth, I guess, oh, yes. of it. And, you know, you talked about basketball and how big uh, it was back then, but adding sports and and things like that how when you go back and look and you think okay that that 10 year period probably between 1970 74 up until about 1984 85 it was a lot of huge growth well when we went under the southern conference yeah and um they uh, uh the commissioner was really good because uh, they let us the first year after we were in there was organization then the next year we had a championship in basketball. The next year we had volleyball, and next year we had another sport. And uh, so it was really good sponsored program mm-hmm. from the conference, which also helped us in West Virginia. Wow, that was and and, and Southern was a great position for right. Marsh University, yeah. wasn't it, Linda? It was you know it was great for us because it was. A travel conference that folks can go to easily. It was easy travel on all the sports, and I hate using the term non-revenue sports, but you know you always have football and basketball. And then you got every, everything looks at everything else, but it is still the makeup of what the athletic department is. But that was a great thing about Southern Conference. Competition was great, and you had all the sports to work with. Absolutely, and it it, it gave you that uh, uh, endpoint, mm-hmm. a championship that no one had. And on a sidebar, uh, I've been involved as the uh, chair of the uh, Marshall Athletics Hall mm-hmm. of Fame Committee for a number of years, and Dot was a member. And what we ran into were wonderful athletes, women, but they had no way to make that mark mm-hmm. until the Southern Conference came, till the MAC came, so that there were uh, championships mm-hmm. and there were conference awards so that you can say, oh my gosh, first team um, you know, this, first team that, second team. Um, the pioneer women did not have that. Wow. You know, and you go back and look at the evolution from it, and you go back and look at, you know, Cam Henderson, they would take train trips to go out west to play. Mm-hmm. What was the furthest trip that you guys had? That You, you had to drive everywhere, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no airplane flying uh, no. back early on for you guys. None. Well, I think for golf was northern Illinois. Okay. Or no, we, we were. Then we got. Yeah, we end up being in the uh, Midwest region. So we it had Wisconsin, oh, wow. uh, the Kent, uh, the Michigan schools, and, for, and that that was for all the sports when we went under AIAW. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that that uh, there's some. Central Michigan is a long oh, ways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've done that before. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so what was the first plane trip for a women's athletics at Marshall? Do you remember what sport it was or when that happened? There would have to have been basketball, I would think, women's basketball. That was after, well, that uh, was, that was when after I was out there. That was, part. I think the first plane trip was when um, the basketball team qualified for the NCAA that year. Was that 86? 80, no, was that 80, what year was that? I, I just, I can't remember uh, all these years. Yeah, but, but, I'm thinking uh, maybe 87, but something it's, like that. Uh, but they, uh, that was the first, that was the first plane. Wow. Right, that, that was 
quite a long time. They thought they were they thought they were big time, probably. I'm well, sure. You yeah, because you never had the opportunity. You know, yeah. at, at that time, the men didn't. Oh yeah. Travel planes, and if you talk to Dan Tony, it, <laughs> it came all the way up to him because <laughs> he didn't get to fly very much. He had to do do trips <laughs> and, and on buses. So, but it helped when we got the buses. At yeah. least they were nice buses. Uh, I took a tr- couple trips with the softball team, and they even had six places that they could sit, uh, sleep. Yeah. Sleep. And uh, so, I mean, they were built just for athletics oh, yeah. to travel for. So the accommodations got to be a lot better. I had the opportunity. Because we, tr- we try in vans. And yeah. we were coming back one time from uh, um, a trip in uh, – and, 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 and we had a flat tire. This was at midnight. Nothing's <laughs> open. And then the volleyball coach came back, and the front of the van f- flew off. I was in that van. <laughs> front of the van flew off? It was a, a flat-faced van. It was mid-sized to, for us to travel. And we're driving back. I don't know where we had been. But the next thing you know, that little front of the uh, hood <laughs> flew over the top of the vehicle. I remember driving, and I believe we were going to, out into Indiana whenever I was coaching volleyball, and we were excited. It was like a new 15-passenger van, which yeah. was like a treat. Yeah. And I'm driving, and next to coach, coach, there's smoke back here. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, I turned back and the whole back of the, the van's full because prior to that, we'd had a blowout and had to get it fixed. And the blowout hit the uh, exhaust pipe and it was coming up into the, the floorboard. Oh, yeah. 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 So there's many stories. <laughs> These vans had 136 miles on them. Oh, wow. 36,000. A thousand, I mean, yeah. So they yeah. weren't new ones. Oh, well, now that one, I never, we never had new. the new ones. Never had new ones. We always had the old ones. <laughs> before before we evolve into to, to kind of where we are today, when you guys got uniforms, when you guys got new uniforms, yeah. how long did those uniforms have to last you? How many seasons did you have to get out of those uniforms back then? Probably three or four, yeah. at least. It's not like today where you got four or five different combinations. No, no. No. We just had one. Just one. And we didn't have free tennis shoes mm-hmm. or anything. They had to still wear their own tennis shoes wow. and pay for their own tennis shoes or whatever. Any sport, the shoes had to be purchased by the athletes. Wow. So you coached, you did volleyball, right? You did golf? Golf. You did badminton? Badminton. What else did you tennis. do? Tennis. Tennis, Okay. Yeah. Which one did you like playing the most? Well, I played tournament tennis for 55 years, so oh, okay. that was my sport. Yeah. People think golf is because I taught all the golf at Marshall and coached the golf, but no, tennis was my sport. That was yours. How about you, Linda? I know you coached volleyball. You played volleyball. You were badminton. I played badminton, mm-hmm. and I actually— And coached I, tennis. I did coach tennis, mm-hmm. but I never had the opportunity— to play tennis mm-hmm. until literally I was 18 years old. I went out with a neighbor uh, and said, hey, let's go try this. And, you know, <laughs> so we did that. So loved anything that uh, that I'm 
striking a ball or hitting something. Um, but I'd have to say for me, tennis, even though I didn't compete intercollegiately, was my sport of choice. Wow. Uh, to love volleyball. Volleyball was wonderful. You never cheered at Marshall, though, right? Oh, no. No, no, no. no. We cheer in the stands, though, right? Uh, well, yeah, I was always <laughs> cheering. I was always doing something. <laughs> so, Dot, when you look at the athletic program today and where we're at, I mean, uh, obviously just made the transition from Conference USA to Sun Belt, which I think is a great move because uh, uh, Conference USA wasn't – when we went into it, wasn't where we ended up with it. It mm-hmm. kind of went right. back downhill. But Sun Belt, uh, to me, Sun Belt is kind of like a Southern. When we've got that great travel sc- conference, we got you know I know it's kind of widespread, but the way they were able to break it up, I think is great. What do you what do you like? What do you see about the athletic department now and the way things are and the, the direction things are going? Well, I think it's the, everybody's excited right mm-hmm. now because we have gone to the Southern Conference. And the athletes are just amazing because they do so much in the community that we didn't have a chance to do when we were starting this program and even even in the after we got in Southern Conference and anything. But now that's a big part of the program, yeah. and and the girls um, they're amazing. Uh, we've had the tennis team, we've had the volleyball team, we've had the softball team. Uh, at Woodlands mm-hmm. to come up to you know to talk, and uh, the softball team wanted to come up for breakfast. <laughs> so about three or four weeks ago, they came up for breakfast. The whole team. <laughs> oh, jeez. And and that's twenty six people, <laughs> but they they mix so well with the community and with the uh, with Woodlands. Just love them to come. We have the biggest turnout. <laughs> Is when the athletes come, and Huff brought the football team up, <laughs> and so it's 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 really good that they're getting out in the community and and doing things. And volleyball just on Facebook just been to a place in Charleston, the kindergarten. Yeah, just took them gifts, and so they're 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 reaching out, and and they love it, and they. They like their coaches. They like their program, and it's just really exciting for all of them right now. And when, when you mentioned Woodlands, for folks that may not be around here, that's a retirement community. A retirement right? community, yeah. yeah. You're the mayor of that place, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> the queen. A lot, the queen. To the a queen. lot of other mayors. <laughs> you know, to get back to your uh, yeah. comment about us uh, making the switch to the Sun Belt, I think that it does bring us sort of full circle. About we see that as something that we can be competitive. There's good competition. There's drivability fan base. Mm-hmm. But I do think the the energy level in the athletic department has increased. There's excitement. The mm-hmm. footprint of our facilities has expanded exponentially and to a point that we're prideful of that. Yeah. I do Considering th- what we didn't have. What so we long. didn't have yeah. and, and the way we have progressed. Even the campus itself mm-hmm. has uh, morphed into this magnificent footprint with uh, structures and improvements and landscaping and and I just think people are energized about that I think um, as we look across the um, all of our sports the athleticism which gets back to having resources mm-hmm. having wonderful practice facilities or competition facilities having scholarships uh, you can see the quality that we have mm-hmm. and it's exciting it's exciting to have been here and now be there. Yeah. 
you know, one thing we did not mention, you know, when you talked about the, the growth of everything, Linda, which is, to me, I think is, you know, I've been here 30, 30 years now. Jeez, it's hard to believe. Mm-hmm. But it's the C, you know, because the campus is landlocked. So it's it's gridlocked. So you got to kind of build within and kind of redo within and all that stuff to it and kind of branch out when you can, which we're doing with the new baseball facility and they go behind your softball, the softball field named after you, which mm-hmm. when that went in, to me, that was the defining moment I think for women's athletics at Marsh University mm-hmm. to have your own dedicate not not just saying to you but I'm saying to women's athletic field yeah that was uh, that was a huge I think that was a huge milestone that folks kind of will look at but then again you know I think they need to really look at the fact that, okay this is what kind of moved propelled things well I think that with uh, what the new AD is doing is wonderful and I know the uh, First thing that they were doing, it was the new scoreboard at mm-hmm. uh, softball field, and that was the first day that Megan heard about it. I got an email, <laughs> <laughs> so and so and uh, so because you have to continue to do these because oh, yeah. it's a, you got to grow. You got to grow, but also too, you're recruiting, and you got yeah. these kids that are coming out. And they want to see the right. their name and lights and things like that. Well, I've been fussing now for ever since the new softball field was build mm-hmm. is that they gave our lights away to a high school <laughs> and so we, we can't have a championship because you've got to have night games yeah. and so so I got pretty excited and Megan got pretty excited because now she knows she's going to get lights because everything is going to be built around it and now we can host and um, tournaments and also the high school kids don't get to ever much see us play because you guys are... they are playing the same time. Yeah, our team is playing, so it's going to be a lot better for recruiting. Well, and you add to it with uh, with basketball, volleyball, swimming. You know, which is great to have that back. Right. Uh, we have the facilities for that now. The re the redone of uh, redoing of Gullickson Hall. Right. I think that adds another element too. Yeah. Which has been a long time coming. I know, yeah, a long time, <laughs> a long time coming. Well, the, with the, the, the architect did, uh, you know, remodeled that with D'Antoni. It's, it's wonderful. Their offices are going to move there. Yeah. And I can't believe ever since I've been here, basketball offices they have to go outside oh, to yeah. get into the building. So and it's also very small. <laughs> so, <laughs> it is a little tiny. So that's, that's they're pretty excited right now too. So that's good. Well, let me ask you this: on a, on a, I say on a serious note, but when you look at the way the landscape is in athletics today, you've got the NIL, you know, uh, name and likeness uh, deal that's part of it. What What are your thoughts on that when it comes to the student athlete and? Getting compensation, I guess, would be the, 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 the word to use there a little bit. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I don't think they should have it uh-huh. in the first place because how many players on a team is going to be able to get some kind of, uh, like, Kenzie? Yeah. You know, he's the only one I know right now that in basketball mm-hmm. has something, you know. I don't know how the other student athletes really feel about this uh, that you know certain ones are going to be able to make like they're in basketball players in Kentucky has got two million dollars football players have three million dollars yeah. yeah and and you know what you know to me that makes them pros mm-hmm. just go on to the pros and instead of giving you know but um, does it does it come down to you think the NCAA 
just having their hands tied. They couldn't hold it off any longer. They had to do this. Yeah, well, the students have really been pushing this, and uh, so that's so. Uh, In some hindsight, I, uh, I, I've always been of one that if you're an athlete and you're committing, you know, all the time that goes into a your, your academics, which I think a lot of time folks forget about the fact that you're there right. as academics, mm-hmm. and then school, that you know, Joe Smith you know, is so dedicated to this and this, he has no time to go out and, and earn a couple of dollars or whatever to take his girlfriend out for a cheeseburger one night. You know, I always felt like it's obviously a stipend or a little bit maybe a monthly thing was always a good thing. This thing, I think, started off as one thing has become its own beast now. Yeah. Because now we were talking about it. We, we have a thundering herd. Uh, we have a uh, herd brothers uh, deal that we have with kind of an alumni for mm-hmm. football. And once a month we get together for lunch and we were having lunch the other day and we were talking about it. These kids have become private contractors now. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not right. student athletes. They, they kind of lose that moniker right. of a student athlete. I'm just afraid of how worse it's going to get before it gets better. Yeah. Don't you think it just makes the, um, the better athletes go where those kind of resources oh, it's, are? It's a recruiting part. And yeah. so uh, the day of your full ride mm-hmm. was your pay yeah. for your services doesn't exist. And I think the NCAA felt the pressure of people pulling away and the NCAA becoming uh, uh, collapsible. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, pressure to do that and the portal. Do you see Do you see the NCAA, the, you see some of these big schools, like the, the schools in the SEC and other things, leaving the NCAA? I could see that. If, yes. if you can't get what you want, then we go because you need us more than we need you. Yeah. I think they're already set up for that. Yeah. All the plans big, are already in the big, works, right? Yeah. The conferences. Well, you know, I think all this started when they uh, let uh, the schools pay them uh, based on their uh, tuition. Okay. Then, like our students, gets like $2,000 a year. Mm-hmm. But if you go to Alabama, they get $8,000 mm-hmm. a year because the tuition is different. So they're getting paid a certain amount of money for the last three or four years. Mm-hmm. So I think this other's just grown out of that. What we talked about that during that lunch one day was the fact that okay, some schools are taking it and embracing it, but protecting the kids. You know, and that's the big thing because you know Joe Smith. I'll use him as an example again. He gets a car. He gets whatever deal. You know, at the end of the year, he's going to get a tax bill. Does he have the money to pay that tax? Now he starts off light, life in debt, mm-hmm. big time. Right. Some school, uh, we're hoping that, and I think Marshall's is helping this out a little bit, which I think is a good thing. And I know WVU's got their trust to, to kind of teach these kids how to handle this because it's here. We can't do anything about it. It's right. going to be here. I mean, right. what, uh, so I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you, what it does is create a, a whole um, new profession. Mm-hmm. For agents, CPAs, attorneys that do nothing but this uh, this business yeah. and try to protect. I guess um, the vagary for me is how does the university athletic department benefit from that? Is there a percentage that comes from each of that or does that all go, you know, are they trying to – create whatever that is to protect the student athlete and and, and also provide some return yeah. to them which makes sense so, to so, me yeah. yeah i have not heard of any lady getting one yeah getting a big one 
yeah. or a big. Now I know there's some. Matter of fact, I just loaded a video in the other day of a, of a series of videos that you have. Now you, you're able to have uh, businesses talk to these athletes to be able, and they go through the university and do that. But they can use their face and likeness, which is all part of it. And I loaded up uh, some of these in, in our studio here. And there were some. There was one of the girls in the basketball team. But they're, this company, and I'm not going to say the name of who they are, but uh, because they're very smart in this aspect, they went, you know, they have maybe a football player here and there or whatever, but they went to the golf, they went to the volleyball, they went to the basketball, men, uh, women's, and uh, all the smaller sports, but kids that are from the state of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. basically, when I'm home, this is what I do, you know, type right. thing, which is, I, I'm glad they're able to get that. But, like you're saying, there's not any big, big deals out there when it comes mm-hmm. on the women's side of things. That's I think it's good. I think it might hurt a little bit on things because you lose the amateurism. Very much so. And again, I think uh, you know, um, money talks. Yeah, that's an unfortunate thing, right? It sure does. <laughs> it always has. So, Doc, what do you think the future holds for college athletics? You think that? Oh, I, I definitely think that their NCAA is going to split. Yeah. I think the big institutions are going to have their own. Uh, situation because they're so you know got their TVs now uh, on TV stations they they've done about everything they can do except split. The one upside I will and say one thing ACC's in trouble. Really? Yeah. Why do you say that? Because I think that they uh, have uh, not kept up with uh, the SEC and Big Ten, and Big, Big, all Twi- Big yep. Twelve, and all of them financially wise. And uh, that they're having difficult time doing, having the money to do what they need to do, like the other people are. Yeah. And then so many of their schools are leaving, going to bigger schools, and so. Did you ever think, and and we'll get ready to wrap it up here in a minute. Did you ever think, and going back and looking at the history of martial athletics when it comes to the women's athletics, that now you can turn on the television or your streaming device or whatever and see every one of these games now right used to be you're not you had radio on home games and we used to do it at the student station i know mm-hmm. and and there for a while we went on the road with i know women's basketball because i have some stories about traveling in the women and the bus with the women for basketball <laughs> good ones i hope uh, we'll I thought, talk about I, that off air i thought guys were bad at certain things <laughs> but no we had a great time with them uh but now you can turn on a t- television turn on your your pad or whatever and you can watch right any women's athletic matchup I mean, how special is that now to yeah. be able to see? Because you mentioned about these the bigger conferences having their own channels and what's. I think that was a great thing that that's they have the money to do it, they have the mm-hmm. capable to do it. But that allows. I know my wife is is a big volleyball person. We we'll flip on the Big Ten Network or we will flip on SEC. We're watching women's volleyball. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. Yeah, the semifinals are on tonight. Are they? Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll definitely be watching that tonight. <laughs> but don't you think uh, when uh, President Nixon signed that Title IX, that's why we can actually say we can flip on those mm-hmm. channels, yeah. that we have that platform yeah. that is uh, now available to us. And what what an amazing story. And it can only get better. You know, we talk about the, the amazing stories with Doc, but for you as well, your dedication that you've had to this university – 
for many years and you still continue to do it. You're with the uh, the medical school, the uh-huh. alumni deal there and drive by that building on Howard Boulevard, see your name on oh. there too. That's that's pretty special. <laughs> well, it, that uh, was unexpected. It was a blessing and it's nice to know that people care enough about you to think that you deserve something like that. And uh, I have been blessed with the people, Dot, Jason Toys, the Frank Gardenias, mm-hmm. people that, that uh, I have had the pleasure of over undergraduate through mm-hmm. working 50 plus years of um, making these friendships and seeing things happen in a positive direction. Well, I know you're the chair of the uh, of the Hall of Fame. Dot, well, I think, went in 1990, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Is there a spot for you in it? Are you in the Hall of oh, Fame? Oh, I'm right in now? the Hall of Fame. Oh, you're in the Hall of Fame right now? I can't remember. I couldn't remember that. Yeah, yes. What year did you go in? The committee in? had a weak moment. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was really weak. It was. It was back in the 90s and the, that I, I fought that tooth and nail. Uh, like, I fought the naming of that building because I felt like that that should have been something else, but yeah. Um, yeah, you know, people see things in you you don't see in yourself on a day-to-day basis, and I've just been blessed, blessed uh, professionally and personally and by the, the ha- university. And speaking of the Hall of Fame, but we have a beautiful setup now for it. Oh, I mean, yeah. the, no longer having to go down the hallways of the Henderson Center and all that stuff. We've got a nice, dedicated facility. It's, it's beautiful, and we give credit to Mike Hamrick and yeah. that uh, the vision to do that, and um it's it's just a uh, it's just a great place for people to congregate and relive some of those wonderful athletic moments and our star athletes, and so I only look as we go forward. So many more people are so deserving. Yeah, we're probably running out of room, aren't we? I think that that's a real issue over there. <laughs> there has to be uh, some design changes for that, and uh, you know, it doesn't stop. Yeah, and the the fact that we and we even discussed this here. We have so many great athletes and so many opportunities for them to excel in the conferences and, and be recognized that, that we have the opportunity yeah. to recognize them, too. You know you can build a second floor on top of that weight room, right? <laughs> There's a lot of options. So you could go up and build a tower with that. We could make expand the Hall of Fame the out there. Tower of Fame instead the t- of the Hall of Fame. There you go. There you go. Uh, Doctor Dot Hits, uh, Linda Holmes. Thank you all so much for everything you've done for martial athletics and and growing this and continue to do to this day. I know uh, both are still very active with it, and it's uh, it's it's a great thing to see us continue to grow because it gets in your blood. I mean, oh, I know yes. when I came here, I moved here in '91, and. Uh, you know, actually, the the green and white was in my blood before that. Before mm-hmm. I came up here to go to school, and and uh, I've been I made a life here, love here, love still being a part of the university too. But it just it, it stays with you forever, doesn't it? It's a different it place. Yeah, it is. It is just a different place that people just don't realize what all we have to offer, and and and, and people are happy just you know with what they have here. We have an ebb and flow. You know, yeah. think we have good things. We have some things that go down sometimes, but we all kind of. Keep but going. we grow. Yeah, we grow. And that's Continue the thing. to grow. The um, statement used often and sincerely, mm-hmm. it is a Marshall family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It and is. I think it uh, uh, it's very true. You come, you stay, you go, but you're still part of the Marshall family. Well, you guys are a great part, big part of it, and we thank you all for keeping the family together. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> this has been fun. It's thank you for having us. And like I always say, go herd, right? Go herd. Go herd. <laughs> 
You've been listening to the Thundering Herd Legends one-on-one podcast. Thank you for checking us out, and don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. If you want to contact us, you can email us anytime, studio at bigbuck1015.com, or find us online at bigbuck1015.com. The Big Buck Thundering Herd Legends one-on-one podcast has been a production of Kindred Digital, Toy Production Services, and your home for the legends, Big Buck Country 1015.